0: Yeah, I'll react if I had to, put some things in the past to and don't let them distract you, but react if you have to yeah. I'll react if I had to, put some things in the past to and don't let them distract you, but react if you have to yeah. React if you have to, yeah
1: Don't know the time, wait, just Good afternoon. Good evening. Um, Episode five, six, six, episode (laughs) six is a special one. Um, I'm excited today. We've been, we've been talking about guests. We've been blaring that horn and um, I have a whole list of people that I want to get on this podcast that Jeff and I want to get on this podcast. And um, I had some anxiety about who was going to be the first guest. Because I wanted the first guest to to be impactful and um, to be you know a lead off strong, right? Yeah. So um, we finally uh, have nailed down our our first guest, and he's sitting across the uh, table from us. And um, he's a guy that I grew up with, um, went to high school with, lived in Belleville with, and um, somebody that I. Uh, look up to um, quite a bit and somebody that I call a just a fucking trailblazer and um, without further ado uh, my good friend brother Nick.
0: Hey thank
1: you Chris. Thanks for being here.
0: I appreciate the kind words. It's good to be here. It's an honor as your your first guest.
1: It's um, important man and and I know the uh, The lengths of which you traveled just to be here is uh an honor and it it gives me a little anxiety (laughs) we gotta fuck this up we can't
0: well you're doing some trailblazing right now you know with what you're doing helping a lot of people and uh i respect it and i want to be a part of it so here we are
1: yeah man i'm excited i'm following your lead I, i mean it um back when i was uh active in my um alcoholism and uh a lot of people say that the internet and, and social media is mankind's greatest invention, but also mankind's fucking toilet bowl. Right? <laughs> yep. Yep. But while I was on the couch drinking my life away, I was watching what Nick was doing um, and a, uh, coming from a, a gutter or um, well, where you came from to where you're at now and helping people that I know tangibly. um Firsthand, directly in the trenches, there's a, you have a, a long list of, of of people that we both know and love that you've taken in and helped and um, gotten sober. So I got to watch that while I was deep in the fucking bottle, and um, it's things like that 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 helped me get to where I'm at. Not just now, but really the main hump, right, of of checking into rehab and. and and fixing my shit and um, knowing that it was possible and knowing that there was hope. So not to give you too much of a blowjob here on the podcast. but (laughs) Hey,
0: man, that's, you know, that's, it's just about giving back. Uh When you get sober, sober, that's kind of, you know, clean house and uh, help others. So that's, you know, that's part of it. And that helps me when I help other people, Sure, you know, so uh, I'm blessed today that that's what I actually get to do for a living now. You know, is 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 help other people, and it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. Because you said I'm from the trenches. I'm not necessarily from the trenches. Mm. I I mean, I guess Bell, 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 Bell could yeah. be, yeah, the <laughs> trenches. Um, but I had a good family. You know, I, I grew up with you. We were you know in high school and and. um came from a, a middle class family you know mm-hmm. I would I, I think that my parents overall you know did a good job. There were some areas looking back, maybe sure. they could have done a little <laughs> bit differently, but uh, yep. overall, you know I made some some bad decisions. I put myself in the trenches, yeah you know? um, and it was a, it was a cycle over a, a long period of time mm-hmm. you know i 've I've, I've listened to all your podcasts before, and you were talking about. Drinking and uh, you know there 's kind of this this evolution that that happens and brings you to this this, this despair mm-hmm. and um, sure, that was the case with me. It was all fun and games at one point, yeah. you know we were partying in high school, even college days. I mean those are some of the best years of my life, but there came a point where i wasn 't having fun anymore. The light went out, yeah, yeah, and I think for our generation, even being. When I reflect back now on my younger days, I can remember high school and literally getting uh, Vicodin and buying it at the flagpole at East, ah, you know, and yeah. I, I used to play football. I was a big uh, high school football mm-hmm. player, started my, my sophomore year and I ended up having surgery on my shoulder and I broke my ankle the same year. So my, my mom was a that. nurse, Right. so I you know, had all these pills and I'd be taking them all the time. And I was a partier as it was, sure. you know, I, 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 loved to party in high school. So I started taking the pills and over time that graduated and I had my first oxycotton at East. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember exactly where I got it at. I remember where I did it and uh, you know, I fell in love after that. Yeah, And um, you know, that brought me down a, a, a dark, dark path, but we didn't even know, I had no clue and I know the people around me that they were even physically addictive. I had no idea. No idea. I, I remember in high school or in uh, college, I got really sick and I was, I was buying some pills. I had somebody come over and he, he knocked on my door. I said, Oh man, I've been feeling terrible. have been feeling so bad. He's like, you know, it's the pills, right? I said, no, no way. I <laughs> got the flu yeah. or something, you know? And, uh, Sure enough, you know, I didn't take one for 48 hours. I'm like, oh, let me try a couple of those. Popped a couple, and all of a sudden, I was great. <laughs> back to back on my feet, ready to rock. And that's when that's I crazy, man. had that moment where I knew it was an issue. I was, you know, too deep at that point. Sure.
1: You know, I, I remember my first, and I think I've told this story. Well, maybe I haven't on the podcast. I, um, I was in college, and I was sicker than a dog, and I didn't drink for two days two maybe it was even three no it's probably only two because hot toddies were my key when i could actually hold things down right and i remember i was talking on the phone with my girlfriend at the time um and i i was i was just being a fucking crabby asshole with her and she's like when the last time you had a drink i go fuck i haven't had a drink in two or three days and she goes bingo and that's when mm-hmm. i knew mm-hmm. so right it was that light bulb but right there was i wasn't gonna fucking turn around that's pour a drink mm-hmm. <laughs> back to being a goofy, funny prick that I am. Right? Um, that's crazy, Nick. So when you started on your like with with the Oxycontin, talk about that a little bit. You, I was in rehab with with heroin addicts and opioid addicts. Um, thank God it wasn't my vice, but. Yeah, mine was more the the alcohol and the cocaine, and um, but what what where did when, talk about the the actual the pills and how it transforms into something worse if you can.
0: Well, I was taking a I had a large habit in college mm-hmm. OxyContin, and it was cheaper at that point. And uh, to show you how strong the grips of addiction are. I had uh, a good friend of mine that we were home on Christmas break, and uh, we, we just got together as one good friend, doing some, some lines together, doing some pills, and we ran out, and uh, we decided that we were going to go get some more. So uh, we hopped in his car, went to my college town at the time. It was How far maybe away? Two hours, yeah. hour and a half. But still two hours in the yeah. car. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was, that was nothing. So we, we went there, though, and, you know, we bought some, and we partied that night, and I did him under the table, and uh, unfortunately, I found him that next morning, passed away in my college That's apartment, awesome. and um, that was a man. life-changing event for me, and, I, you know, I can't tell you the amount of pain and everything that it caused so many people around me and myself, but I had this, you know, this moment where I was like, I am never doing this again, you know, and I didn 't understand addiction. nobody around me did at the time. My parents they, you know when they picked me up, they said, "What's going on Is there, "Do you have a problem?" Right. I said, "Yeah, I have a problem." and um, I went to that funeral. His name was Kurt, and I can remember going back and, and hugging his family, hugging his brother, his mother, his father, and I made a promise on that day that I was never going to touch it again, and I meant that sure. I meant that um, but I went and got some Suboxone here at a local doctor. It was the time where that just came out, it was brand new, and I uh, got off smoking weed in my basement and taking some Suboxone. Got completely off pain pills just in time to head right back to college. You know, mm. get right back in that party life. But I wasn't going to stop drinking or other right. things. I was just going to stop the pills. Right <laughs> and. That was lasted for a while, about a year, a year and a half. And after college I went back home and all my friends that didn't go to college or were back home, they were all hooked before I left. They'd all graduated to heroin. So when oh, I got back, there was man. this point in time to where oxycotton used to be real cheap. And what happened is the price at significantly greater. So something that was a habit for you that maybe cost forty bucks a day would then cost you know, eighty, a hundred, you know, two hundred dollar a day Jeez. habit was was nothing. So here's you know people around me when I've already been hooked, and this happens over an eight ten year period. You know, right. I go back and I see my buddy sitting there getting high, and I would never touch heroin. You know, that's that's these junkies and terrible right. thoughts in my head. That's what I what I kind of thought at the time of these people, and and. um Sure enough, you know, he was getting an eye off $10 and and nodding out. So I I decided that I was going to sniff, and that brought me down that path to where it was somewhat acceptable just for that one time. Well, then that next day, then just one more time, then Mm -hmm. one more time. So it led me down a path to where um, I started again with some pills, you know, with some, some Suboxone trying it that one time when I promised that. And then it led me down. Once I, once I got to Kerwin, all bets were off. You know, I was young. I was in my 20s. I was living for the moment. I knew that it was an issue, but I wasn't, gonna, you know, it wasn't today that I was going to. So say. I'd stop, sure. a minute. I'd grow out of this. It was a phase. And that never happened. You know, it brought me to a point to where I wrecked everything around me. I mean, I stole from my family. I I sold everything I had. My my, my sister wouldn't talk to me. She's had a baby at the time. I mean, it took my soul, and I tried getting tried getting sober. Um, you, go ahead. you
1: just said something that took your soul. It, and that's I think that hits a. I, you see, you meet people, and you've met with, and we'll get to where you're at now. We don't want to stay too much. You know, um, we're gonna we're gonna bring this to where you're at now, and how how you're uh, helping so many people. But when you say it stole your soul, I see so many people. Like you said, will fucking rob their mother, will steal money from their fucking grandma. People that you would never, you would never think that you would, you would steal from or rob in your younger years. And you would, if you heard of a story of a guy or somebody doing that to, you would almost want to beat the shit out of them. Like when, that's what this shit does to you. Yeah. It, it, it. And that's a great—I loved how you, you put that, that. It steals your fucking soul to do things so against your moral—the construction of you. Like, the, the DNA that makes up your morality, it robs you of that, this, this death grip of addiction. And, and, and I'm going to let you continue. I, I just—that makes so much sense to me. That fucking—that's exactly what it does, man. And, and, and God— it's just powerful,
0: yeah. It just brings you to places that you would never thought you'd be, you know, or, or, or places you never thought you'd, you'd go to. And um, I, I can't even describe it. If you've never went through it. it, it's just something that takes over. You have no stop sign, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, some, there's nothing in your head that's saying stop. You just go. Like that's what matters most over everything else and that's why you know it's a choice is my opinion at first and uh you know you you do make that choice but once you get into that grips of dixon it becomes a disease of your mind of your brain and you have no control over that you have to you have to put that first if you don't have it you're you're deathly sick you, you can't move on at the time you know you just think that you have to have that you know to function which i found out you know quickly after that after bringing my life to those uh, you know, I was homeless for, I tried getting sober a couple of times and went to treatment I got back out. I thought I could just drink. It didn't, didn't work out. So I had to give it a stab a couple of times and try to do things my way, yeah, you know, right. which never works out. Um, and this last time, you know, I went to Florida for treatment and I got out and I did the same thing. I found South Florida, right? Miami. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm ready to stop. But I, I got to go to these pool parties. I got to check out, you know, yep. this EDC. I got to go to Ultra. And so, but just drank and it led me to the same spot. But it got so bad at the end that I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired that I was willing to do whatever it took at that point. You know, I was hotel hopping in these little shitty 30 dollar <laughs> motels Something you know for a over a years supporting my hair my my habit and I was IV using at the time and you know there was a couple of moments that I had this this recollection this these moments they call moment of clarity where I'm like look where the look where I'm fucking at mm. I'm so much better than this this is not the person that I am and I was done you know there's a couple of key moments where I'm like I I got to do this so and I did, and I, and I went off, and uh, thank God for my family. They helped, helped me the last time, get some help. They saw my willingness there, and I went into a treatment center and got out, and I went to a local halfway house. That's where mm-hmm. I did. I didn't have shit. I didn't have a pot to piss in. went to a halfway house. And uh, if you would have told me to sit in the corner and stand on my head and eat dog shit, and that would have got me clean or sober, I would have done it yeah. because that's, that's just where I was at. But those times and working on myself, you know, I I personally got sober uh, through the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. There's many, many ways to, to, to get sober. I mean, Chris, you did it yeah. completely different than I did. And I've, I've never even seen anything like it. This man <laughs> goes back to Friday. That boy's got napkins <laughs> yes. in his back that he for, for drinks yeah. that people... I would never recommend that wow. to anybody. <laughs> but you did it, man. You did it. I, and, I made a
1: deal with God I, I, when I was in rehab <clears> and I had that moment. <clears throat> how the fuck did it get to this moment? <clears throat> and I, I, I said to him, I said, I... I, I'm surrounded by people that are that need that need help. They need somebody to to reach their hand over to them, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get them if I can't go back to the places where I grew up and as a taverns and and places like that. So, and I I've had people I've had there's been a small percentage of people that have kind of attic shamed me, like. He's not really a fucking alcoholic. Like, if he can do that, um, oh, yeah. uh, it was an elderly guy that told a friend that I that oh he's no fucking alcoholic if he can go back to the bar. And I, to each their own. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy doesn't know me from Adam, but I, I can't let that that shit stop you know, what I'm people doing. People have
0: opinions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, right.
1: Opinions are like liberals. <laughs> Everybody's got one. I, I dropped it. That's, I said it again. I thought we weren't talking about that today. Come on, <laughs> Nick. One thing you you hit um, that I thought of while you were talking to is. Uh, a friend of ours, a mutual friend who 's um also sober now told me one time, like you said like i 'm not a he was at a point where he 'd never he 'd never be one of those junkies, never one of those fucking hates needles right. can 't even get a shot at a at a doctor 's <clears throat> office, but somehow some way he found himself fucking pulling a rubber band tight or and sticking finding veins and sticking needles into to shoot these drugs in and that 's what it
0: it yeah, and I, and I hate that word too because we always use that, you know, with, with junkie or mm-hmm. even addict. And it's like, if you see what I see on a daily basis, because what do you think of when you think of drug addiction? If you, if you could picture one person in your hmm. mind right now, what that person looks like. What do you think of? Most people think of some home, you know, homeless mm-hmm. guy or yeah. somebody that doesn't have their shit together or you, know, you think of this, this low life. And it's just not true. I mean, we treat doctors, lawyers, attorneys. I don't care who you are, how much money you have, the family that you come from. None of that matters. If it gets its grips on you, you're done. And we <laughs> see it every day, yeah. and but that's what you see because, or that's what the the public sees sure. because those are the people that don't have any money that are front and center. You know, somebody with money, they're drying out in a on a yacht in Cabo somewhere, trying to you know they can they can hide it. They can pay for the best. You just don't see it. Right? You know as much. Yeah. It's not put in our face, but um,
1: no. And even the even the folks like it's such a good point that that you your mental image those motherfuckers are human beings too, man, and they right. come from. I mean, they come from who knows where and what what's what challenges exactly. they've they've faced so I, i'm yeah and and now seeing it on my end we you're right it's um that it's just it's it's another well, most one of those, of those words. people
0: started if you ever take the time to you know we do uh a lot of great work with uh, our sister nonprofit here it 's called Mo network and some amazing guys around it they're actually partners at uh, treatment center here in in St Louis uh, Robert Riley and Chad Sabora. they're big in they 've changed a lot of legislation in this area, um, but they have an outreach center uh, you know um, downtown that sure. I've helped support for for years. If you ever take the time to talk to those individuals, they came from exactly where we're at. Most of them, yep. you know, they've lost their families. They've had good jobs. They've done, you know, and they get to this point to where, you know, they lose hope. People just lose hope. And there, just recently, there's been a lot more resources out there for people um, to tap into. And the work that they do there is incredible. And I just, the point I'm trying to make is that those same people, you know, were once us. Yeah. And this disease does not discriminate. It doesn't <laughs> matter who you are.
1: It's a very good point. We um we met, I think the first time I met you, Nick, was we used to go on the first day of high school, it would be like a half day. And we'd go to Mazio's pizza buffet afterwards and get stoned to the bone and just do some damage. Let the dog <laughs> out, right? Let the big dog out of the cage. <laughs> and then we'd go over to our mutual friend's house that we call the Wolf Branch Neighborhood.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I, I don't want to drop any names. His name started with an A. Okay. Uh, do you remember? He'd always have a party after, after the first day of high school. like. Um, and, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And we yes. would all, it was awesome. And I remember the first time I met you and another friend, because we were sophomores. You guys were freshmen. And um, that's how we kicked off our our high school careers jeff <laughs> and um a, yeah you know a lot and a lot of our friends didn't go down the the paths that we did but you don't have to be what i've learned is you don't have to be a you don't have to to have a, a, a addiction issue especially with alcohol as um because you see all the addictions. I mean, you see the, the the opioid. We know that's a fucking crisis right now. That's you know DefCon three or four on the opioid heroin addiction. But you're you deal with alcoholics and um, people fucking with benzos, right? I mean, there there's all kinds of them out there, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, of course that you know there's alcohol and benzos are very serious because those are the only two drugs you can die from. But let's look at this as a whole. So many wait, wait, people wait, wait, saying let me stop
1: you. What do you mean by that? The only two drugs you can...
0: The only two drugs, like when we're in the detox process, we really have to watch out if those are in your background because they can cause seizures. Uh, I mean, they are nasty, nasty drugs to where... So, so the withdrawal really, can medical, kill you. Yes, the withdrawal. Okay. The withdrawal, yeah, that's, I was told. All of them can kill you. Well, right, the right. withdrawal process on them uh, can kill you. But, you know, I, don't, I think that, yes, we have an epidemic with opioids and these other epidemics. But overall, we don't have an addiction epidemic. We have a loneliness epidemic in this country. Bingo. You know, and that's what it, what it comes down to. You know, everybody's hurt. And so the opposite of addiction is connection, right? I like that. And, and we're all yearning for some type of connection. And for me, you know, when I'm sitting in a hotel room, loaning out, like I don't have anybody, people cut me off. Like, and that's not their fault. That's my fault. But, you know, I'm, I'm finding happiness um, in a pill form or you're finding it in a bottle, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, over time, that becomes our go-to, right? It doesn't matter what's happening in your day. It doesn't matter what's going on in life. That right there. That 's a solution that's your you friend. know that' yeah that 's going to make you feel nice and warm inside it 's going to take all that pain away, you know, and you combine that with all those other the withdrawal aspects, everything else it, it just takes over, but ultimately, you know addiction is a form of mental health we 're seeing a huge increase uh, in in um, mental health right now with yeah. individuals, but I think that 's ultimately what it boils down to is having a, a loneliness epidemic
1: i, I I, amen to that, man. I couldn't agree more. Hey, um, one thing I want to make sure we talk about after you got you got sober, you cle- you got clean, and talk talk us through from that point to where you're at now, because because then something happened in your life where you decided to take the fuck <coughs> off, and like you said earlier, serve other fucking people and give and and help people.
0: I um after I got out of treatment. In Florida, I wanted to go to a smaller town. I wanted to go to a sober living, little family owned place, which I went to, concentrate on myself, focus on myself. And I did that. And about nine months in, you know, I thought to myself, I started managing this house. And I had nothing at this time. And I'm like, you know what? I, I can do this better. I can do this, what they're doing right here. Mm-hmm. So I went back and at just about a year, I, I, I convinced that. my grandfather at the time. You know, up and down to help support me. And I got a $6,000 loan to start up my first recovery house. I got all the furniture donated, you know, or got it from the local Goodwill or free off Craigslist. I like made it work. You know, first last security. And I lived on a mattress on the floor of this silver living house. And I was so tied into that community that. Everybody was flocking to kind of stay there. We ran a really good house, and I turned that one into four in a period of maybe six months. And at the time, I was actually uh, riding—I was riding a purple ten-speed around with no brakes on. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was riding around down the middle of Port St. Lucie Boulevard in, in Florida. And I remember I was big into working out. Right, I couldn't change. I had no money. I had nothing. But one thing I could change is what I eat. My physical appearance. So we're always getting better. I'm still, I'm still a sick fuck, you know. I, I always got to work on myself and, and make sure I'm putting myself in in check. But at the time, you know, if I couldn't fix what's on the inside, I'd at least have an appearance. So I, I was really. I big remember the pictures. You oh, yeah.
1: get a fucking six
0: pack and shit it pissed me off a little. Bit. So you know, and that's also before kids and right, wife, right. everything else. Right, yeah, but yeah, yeah. so the point is, I, I, I was riding my bike to the gym every day. One of the guys was in the house as a personal Purple trainer. Purple ten speed. Let's not Purple forget Purple ten that. speed rolling down a hill. Right. And he was in front of me. He goes through this crosswalk, and then I'm right behind him. And I see this lady. She, she looks to the side and looks at him go through the crosswalk. I have no brakes. I'm going down this, this, this hill. She doesn't look back. I'm like, oh, shit. Here, she slams on the – you know she hits the gas, mm-hmm. just bashes me. I, I fly off this bike, Spider-Man or Hood, roll into the middle of the highway on Port St. Lucie Boulevard, smashes my bike. This was my life. I'm like fuck you. You see me now? She's like, I didn't see you. You see me now? I threw the bike. I was so upset. I mangled my whole leg and had uh, road rash all over me, and I ended up going to the hospital. And my the the truth of the matter is, my mom's. I had some uh, medical bills and was banged up from that. And my mom's boyfriend at the time was a personal injury attorney. He said, Nick, just give me the case, and I ended up getting like a uh, twenty five thousand dollars settlement at that time for that and that. I took that money and started up my first outpatient nice. center and, uh, to service. Cause in that, in that area, a lot of people were leaving treatment and they didn't have a doctor. They didn't have an outpatient to go through. There wasn't proper medication management for these people and anybody with mental illness. Like you have to treat the mental illness first before you can even treat the addiction. And that, that was just a market that wasn't being served. So we opened up that and I ended up, um, Finding another guy that was in the community that really didn't know what he was doing. He was an ex banker, and and he had this beautiful two beautiful properties on the water. And he started up a treatment center. It's called Waters Edge, and and uh, he had like three people in the door. Couldn't really make it work. Didn't have any electronic medical records. Just really was kind of lost. And my partner and I at the time went to him. We said, "Let's do a merger. We can make this work. You know, you need us." And we made that happen. And we turned that eventually into 80 beds of partial hospitalization, 110 beds of aftercare. Um, and I ended up, uh, we kind of, you know, went our separate ways after that. But, you know, at that time, I just, I wanted to go full throttle. I wanted to help people. I I knew my life couldn't stay where it was at. You know, I had to move forward no matter what. I mean, what, what did I have to lose? I was like... $150,000 in debt. I had a 403 credit score at the time. Like, what am I going right. to lose some more money? Like, get in line. Tack it on, you know? <laughs> right. I have, I have nothing. So, you can't uh, get blood from a turnip. Yeah. <laughs> so I just pushed. I was just hungry. I was just hungry. And, um, you know, we ended up uh, kind of parting ways. We just, let's put it a nice way, we just didn't have the same views of where the company was going. And we split off. I sold, you know, my company down in Florida,
1: and how many years are you? How many years of sobriety do you have on so, your phone at this point?
0: January eighth, two thousand twelve. So, awesome. eight years. It's actually it's just just recent.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. So, one thing to rewind real quick. When when the first thing that hit my mind that I crossed my mind when you said you got hit by that that car was, oh fuck, they're going to stick him in a hospital and start shooting him oh, up with pain yeah. meds. Man, well, that
0: wasn't happening uh, at that, that time. Uh, I, I was. At that point, I was so ready for my life to change that if somebody would have put drugs in front, I would have probably broke their nose mm. right then and there because I, I took it so seriously. Right? And I still do, but yes, especially man. at that point, this is life or death. Listen, man, I'm living on a mattress on the floor. My old family won't right. talk. I don't got shit. You bring that over here, that's going to crush my life. And we're gonna have problems. Take my leg, you ain't yeah. giving me that shit. Yeah, so I I made that. <laughs> that very that's quick.
1: what I first thought of when I when I heard. Yeah, it, uh, yeah I that's crazy. Did
0: not think that. So and at the time, that's you know that's changed a lot. They don't give out narcotics as much in emergency rooms because of all the chopping and obviously everything mm, that's right. happened with the opioid adem- epidemic. But at that time, I mean, they were handing out like candy.
1: I was on Neltroxon. Naltraxon. Am I saying I yep.
0: right? Yep.
1: Um, and. When I got out of rehab, I took it for about six months after, and then I wanted to do it without it. It's supposed to help cure cravings. <clears throat> I guess it did. I, I, it, they gave it to me in rehab, and and my mom's a nurse, and she was like, you know, if something happens to you, it's going to counteract probably if they if you need a pain pain pill. I'm like, well, I don't want a pain pill, but it, because I was, yeah, you know, I've, I've met so many people that it's wrecked their um, fucking lives
0: yeah did you take one <clears throat> no oh, uh-uh thank god
1: but i stopped taking the naltrexan but to this day like you said i, I won't fucking take nyquil mm. I, I don't want i um i go to the at, at our at jeff and i go to you know the same church we have a grape juice communion line and then a wine communion line yeah. and i go you can tell who the fucking some, are. Some at grape our juice. <laughs> it's me and the six-year-old kids <laughs> Uh, yes. And then a couple other uh, brethren that take, that that do the grape juice line, but I'm I'm dogmatic about that shit. I don't. I'm I'm so afraid that I, I'm I'm confident but not cocky, right? Yeah. In my in my sobriety, I'm I'm, I'm able to bartend. I, I just did that a couple times, but but like you said, I you. You would have fucking knocked somebody out if they would have tried to give you Well, a man. I
0: mean, that's, I love that part about myself. I love being, I'm with my boys from college all the time, mm-hmm. or, you know, I'll be with people and I, I, they always say, You don't care. They know now. Like, I'll live, I'm like, Go, oh, you know, drink up, buy the bottles, go to VIP, whatever you want to do. You right. Know? And it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I know that I am who I am today because I don't do that. And there'll still be times where I think to myself, I'm like, You know, I could have a drink. And I, I know I could have a drink today and nothing would happen. I could maybe have a drink tomorrow. Nothing would happen. But at some point, like a year, year and a half down the road, I'm going to end up looking in that mirror and saying, what the hell just happened? <laughs> how did I get here again? And everything that I've created in my life today, all the amazing things that I'm grateful for have happened because I don't you know, drink and I don't use drugs. So how sick am I? to think to even have that thought to go back and say you know what I want some liquid to go down my throat and I want to feel good on the inside like why do I need that why why would I even want that mm-hmm. and but that's my mind you know I still have to go back to that that's why this is something that you have to work on you know constantly and keep yourself in check cuz it's easy to start kind of veering off that path and going in a different direction
1: yeah and, and we talked about this uh, on one of the previous episodes on taking back control of your life it's something to fucking get off on man it's so liberating and you're we we, somebody talked about this even at church about hope what's so powerful about hope is that nobody can take it from you I I also say that about about sobriety that that's my fucking shit and Mm -hmm. nobody's gonna take it from me I can get rid of it I can lose same thing with hope I can Mm -hmm. say fuck hope I'm done I'm done being hopeful that 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 heaven's out there. That it conquers death. That it conquers all bad shit. Right. I, I can fucking get rid of the hope, but nobody can come take that from me. And mm-hmm. that's the same thing with, with my sobriety. Uh, uh, it, and I, that is powerful, yeah. man. Oh yeah. God, I'm so fucking goosebumped out right. There, now. There, there, there's <laughs> oh, there's
0: good addictions and there's bad addictions, <laughs> you know. And I, I tell you what, people with an addictive nature are some of the most successful people that you will ever meet in your life because they're, they're balls to the wall. You know, they're a hundred percent in or out. That's why, like it's a blessing and a curse, right? If I do something, I'm doing it to the max Uh or I'm not doing it at all. I'm not half assing it. Um, You just have to make sure that that's in the right direction, right? Right, That's helping people because it can go bad real quick. Yeah. But uh, it's empowering. Like my sobriety, I, that's That's what I got addicted to was my sobriety. It was to bettering myself, this journey of self exploration You know, to see what you can conquer, to see how far you can push your body and your mind past all those points of physical exhaustion, places that you never thought you could go, but just a little bit further, you know, pushing that envelope, pushing that envelope, whether that was in the gym, trying to throw up as much weight as possible or just work out and push myself, my, my physical body past that or. You know, uh, helping others, business, whatever that is, on things that other people have told me maybe I couldn't do, and that was a big thing that fueled me at the beginning. You know, so many people did call me a junkie, or I can remember in grade school being called that delinquent, and they they had good reason. You know, I was a problem (laughs) child. My mom was was fucking number one. I was, I was a problem. (laughs) Sure, you know, but all that pain, right? All those times, all those. People that told me I was never going to make it or never do something that fueled me at yeah. the beginning to where I'm like I'm going to and I learned quickly after that that that's you know my ego and I have to look mm-hmm. on the the inside. Um, but Football that, player, he said. <laughs> <laughs> I remember <laughs> competitive. Yep. yep. He, Nick knocked a couple kids out of it. I remember that. But anyway, oh, that, yeah. was, that was <laughs> those were those were good days. So you so you
1: you you sold your your. Company in Florida, and then um, and then and then what now? Because I want to lead into you posted something on Facebook uh, and social media from your from from Discovery, and I want you to talk about that because you you listed a number, um, and it was a number of people that have. Was that for just the New Jersey op? Um,
0: yeah, that was just New Jersey. So let's so talk um,
1: about New Jersey for a
0: little bit. New Jersey. So, Discovery Institute is a nonprofit addiction treatment center. It's been around for about 50 years. They had a lot of state contracts um, at the time in New Jersey. I mean, they were literally paying this place $60 a day, you know, to treat. I mean, yes. show me a hotel you can get for $60 a day, much less treat somebody, house them, right. you know, feed them. I mean, it was just ridiculous. So, they were, they were having issues. And, um, you know, being this pillar of the community up there, I had an opportunity to step in and to, to do a turnaround for them. And uh, that's exactly what we've done. We've done almost, you know, aesthetically, we've put almost a million dollars in renovation in that our clinical program, we've just worked on so much our medical side of things and just revamped this entire program and one of the things we're most proud about is that we have a medicaid side so we help people with no insurance yeah. no money god bless you we do have a fucking we do have a private program and we have a drug court program so we helped in new jersey this last year 2019 it was 1598 people came through our doors and we're expanding we're looking to do more than that this year um, which I'm very proud of. I moved my family there. God bless my my wife. You know, from moving up there, she's moved a couple of different. She's places. a baller. Right? We grew up. <laughs> she together. is. She
1: is. You um, all kicked your punt coverage. As did another, Jeff
0: and I. Another Belleville person. Well, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So when I was so it's a great story. You know, I'd love for you to if share. If you know uh, my wife, we were in first grade together. Her name's Valerie. So we grew up, grade school, high school. We were best friends. Right, but she always had me in friend zone. She oh, always yeah. had me stiff on This is called I persistent. was too busy smoking weed <laughs> and had my long hair to to get with that caliber of a girl. So she was um, a good.
1: She was a good. Girl. She was. Yeah.
0: she was. So she always had me in friend zone. We went to prom together. We were at all homecoming, everything. So we ended up splitting ways. Um, for ten years, she went out to UGA. I went to Southern Illinois. I did God knows what, and she did her <laughs> thing. And uh, we were coming up on our ten year high school reunion. When I when I would come back for college, you know, and I'd see my grandparents or something, I'd break up with a girlfriend. They're like, "Where's Valerie at?" <laughs> oh, and I'd yeah. say, "Ah, oh, she's she's doing her thing. I don't know where she's at." But my grandma would tell this story that when we were in fifth grade, right. We were coming out of one of the basketball games. I was playing basketball. I think Val was a cheerleader at that time. And I came back out I said, Grandma, do you see that girl in there? Mm. She said, what girl? I said, Valerie, do you see her? She said, yeah, I saw her. I go, I'm going to marry her one day Mm. in fifth grade. So fast forward to me being broken on the streets of Miami, having fucking nothing, being in these hotel rooms. I used to visualize my life, like what I knew it could be. You know, I, I don't need everything. I just want a, I want a wife. I want a kid. I want a house. I want, you know, just normal stuff. I don't right. want to be here. And I would always visualize my life with her. She was that girl that got away for me always. Mm-hmm. And I would always think about her. I get sober. Start these businesses. I'm on this journey of self exploration. I'm getting better. I'm 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 better in my life. Coming up on our 10 year high school reunion. I touch base with her online. She didn't go, but I went to the reunion. But that's what kicked it off. So she, I was living in Florida. She was living in Atlanta at the time. And I said, I'm coming out to see you. So I flew out to Atlanta. and We hit it off, man, right, you know, just like where we left off. So I said, I've done this long-distance thing. I'm not doing it again. So here's what's going to happen. <laughs> I love it. You're, I'm going to fly you down to Florida. And you're going to leave Atlanta. No more of this friend zone shit you pulled in high school. Okay? <laughs> and she said, okay. Alrighty. okay." Did so she so? did. Yes. She flew down. Uh, we got a place together. And... Um, you know, we we now have two kids, and I actually was starting up a blowout bar with my sister here on Washington Ave in St. Louis, so I was flying back and forth.
1: You, you need to explain to our listeners what a blowout bar is. In me. People are, I don't know what that people is. People are going go to go uh, to really bad places. She,
0: she has a salon, so she started a salon Uh-oh, out there, yeah. and it's – um. <laughs> yeah.
1: You should know. Your wife – My wife – It's where I, they do, do no cuts, no
0: color. They just style your hair. They have it That's named, thing, ironically, after different drinks, like a spritzer, oh, when okay. the girls can come in, get dolled up. They do their makeup, stuff like that. My so, first
1: fiance worked at a blowout bar, but it was a different. <laughs> all right, that was.
0: That was in Centerville, right? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, all right. Centerville. Yeah, I think her name was, what? All right, Roxy? all right, all right, yeah. It,
1: it, so so you, were, you were starting this, this so, studio, this bar. So I was,
0: I was coming back and forth, right? And I used to tell, since we were in first grade together, we went to Wolf Branch. I'd, I'd wake up and I'd be like, Valerie, I just had these dreams. You remember Miss Hudson or these people? And she'd laugh and we'd tell these stories. And I go, why don't you set up a tour? Of Wolf Branch, why we're back. No, 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 no. I'm not going to. Come on. She was afraid they weren't going to let you back in. I eventually convinced her to set up the tour. Well, she didn't know that I had everything set up on the back end Uh, the entire time. So we go there. We go on a tour with the principal of our entire old school. We went through our first grade classroom, saw everything, and I ended it in that gymnasium. Where, my grandma, where I said that to my grandma in fifth grade. Actually, I got my old basketball coach that was running that, that basketball game at the time to come <laughs> back. They were having basketball practice. So in the middle of basketball practice, they said, welcome to Wolf Branch. They threw the balls down. We had all the balloons. And I had our first grade teacher there out of retirement at center court. And she just lost it. And I that's, said, well, that's
1: pretty good. Yeah. That's,
0: where, uh, that's where I first said that I was going to marry you at. And that's what I came here to do. And, uh, ah, man, that's our, that's our little love story. But the point I'm a sucker for this shit, yeah. for this little, you know, I mean, I like it also, 100%. Like, but that's the beautiful thing. Like I had this dream, like, you know, knowing how much I love this girl and, and, and getting my life back together and really making that effort to reach back yeah. out to her, to rekindle that relationship. And thank God, you know, it, it, it worked out. Now we have two kids. I have a little three and a half year old girl, uh, Baylor and a little little boy, a little terror. Oh, Many ways, yep. <laughs> looks just like you. Yeah. yeah, he is. He is.
1: So you guys are living in New Jersey, and and you're helping these people. Um, you told me when we all had dinner um, recently, you t- you told me that because you've been very successful in this industry, and a lot of people wonder how that can happen and nonprofit stuff. And you told me a good. A great quote, and, and it's one that I might hijack and, and, and use and help motivate myself um, just on anything. But you, you, you do well by doing well. Doing well by doing good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Say, say that again for the, for the listeners.
0: We have a philosophy. It's called doing well by doing good. And that's really, you know, it's not a lake too. So it's always been a dream of ours to be able to come back and some of my partners, I was telling you with Mo Network, to really come yep. back to St. Louis right. and put together just a phenomenal state-of-the-art treatment center that this area has never seen. There's a lot of state places, you know. Right. Listen, we're on a podcast, they're, they're, they're okay. But, uh, you know, something <laughs> really above and beyond. And that's what we did. We created an absolute all-star team, and we do. We believe in that. We have a lot of... Um, you know, we have a whole culture statement, principles that are a lot based That's a lot awesome. off of some of the twelve steps. You know, integrity, sure. um, and you know, these things aren't cheap either. You know, we put They're together not. this program, and if you're really going to do it right and do it well, then uh, you know it costs money. And we we all, we have several sides to that. You know, we have the nonprofit side, we have the for profit side, um, but everything at the end of the day is helping our members first members come first people come first you know people over profits and when you do that everything else comes you will you will be successful the money will come as long as you're doing that first Um, because the greatest form of marketing is word of mouth right and success stories and when people are doing well so we created a program around here that's a true full continuum of care we do everything from detox from anywhere from a 5 to 10 day detoxification process mm-hmm. you're asking me about the benzos the alcohol get that out of somebody's system and then we have our residential program we have anywhere from 30 to 90 day programs and then we have the outpatient and statistics and studies show that the longer you're in treatment uh the higher chance of success so we really challenge people to stay with us for a full year you know okay um, okay with the outpatients. Sure. And yeah, to continue absolutely. coming back for, you know, as long as possible. Because this is something they say, you know, when you're in it, like like I was in it, it's really about changing everything. Yeah. That's what they say. They say the only thing you have to change is everything. And it's the truth. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know. That's- you have to change your lifestyle, you people, places, things, everything that you do. You know this, and it's mm-hmm. and it's tough, you know, finding how to be sober in a world filled with alcohol and people partying.
1: Right. So and, and and fucking
0: polarized. In connection, right? Uh-huh. Opposite of addiction is connection. Finding that support. We, you know, we really embrace people um, that come through our program as, you know, our, our family, as 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 kind of our members. You know, somebody that will get recovery for life. We're always going to be there for. it. We're always going to have alumni events. We're always going to have outpatient and welcome those people back.
1: It's. I, I've been. I had the pleasure to go out to his open house, mm-hmm. Jeff, and it's a beautiful facility um he has on-site medical staff obviously and um ended up uh, who's you have a physician or how how does that work
0: yeah we have we have um a 24-7 medical staff but one of the things that really makes us stand we have 55 acres out there right um 76 beds i think total um that we can we can grow into uh i think it's right around 54, 56 right now. But we do, uh, you know, most treatment centers that you go to, you'll get one primary therapist that'll bring you all the way through that you'll go to. We have a team of people that go around you. So we have somebody that specializes in mental health, somebody that specializes in addiction, peer recovery specialists. You know, we have a spiritual um, advisor and a wellness director. That awesome. specifically is there so actually he came up from Florida his name's Bodie i call him the spiritual juggernaut okay. because he's absolutely incredible about halfway through my sobriety i you know started to hit some rough patches and just you know trying to 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 find something else again so a way to to move forward in my spirituality so i found a place called Soulville and he was one of the instructors there he was actually on the board of all unity uh, churches he was actually next in line to take over if you uh, know Unity, but he, I went there, did a bunch of work with him, and he actually flew to St. Louis to take this position. That's why, from so, Florida. So um, he will help guide you nice. through your spiritual journey while you're with us. We actually, so right now we're, we're, we're trying to um, work on putting a sweat lodge in right now. Um, my partner, one of my partners, his name's Paul, he has a treatment center in Canada and they, he up, up north he has these sweat lodges. They're absolutely incredible, but you have to be very careful with it. There's a lot of tradition. Um, mm. Culturally, you have to get permission from all the Native Americans and the, the tribes around here. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. Make sure that you're getting the blessing to do that, the proper training, you know, okay. building it the right way. shit. Yeah, nobody take, ever thinks about it. But this. you take yeah, everything from your wild. own land You know, Uh And you build this this lodge that's kind of like a sauna, but 25 people that go in it. And up in Canada, what they do is – I forgot the name of this. They use all these natural medicines. So, for example, I I forgot the name, but they call it – it's something for your respiratory. They put in the sweat for people that have problems with their lungs and their chest. And they have a huge tub, and they go out, and they get sap from an oak tree. But this isn't just any sap. It's only oak trees that have been struck by lightning that they no get this sap from. you know. But all these natural medicines that come in that we put into these uh, you know, these ceremonies, and that's kind of like one of our signature things that we do there. Uh, but there's so many... That's cool. So many different elements that we do uh, mm-hmm. that are cutting edge. Anything evidence-based, we're all over it.
1: What's the name of the treatment center again, Nick?
0: Sana Lake Recovery Center.
1: And it's out in Dittmer, Missouri, which yes. is... I, when I was like 30 miles, maybe... West of like Fenton, yeah. if you're familiar with the St. Louis area, um, it's an incredible facility. There's f- friends of ours that um, that Nick has helped uh, I mean almost a whole fucking football team of them uh, <laughs> and it's so what i when I said earlier that there's you can see people's lives being transformed tangibly like it's i mean it's a, we see it every day. He sees it every day, and and the the key is it's it's shattering that the enemy and that facade and that fucking bullshit smokescreen of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And it it when you when you get through the other two sobriety from X Y Z addiction, you you become. A, you want to be in this community, and then you want to help people. And it becomes, a, a, I mean, a really a, a family, man. And it's very similar to, like, church, you know? Right. It's very similar to coming to, and, and finding the right place that you help each other. And it's a community, and it yeah. fucking shatters loneliness. And and, and I it, love that.
0: There's no better feeling. To, to to actually see money, could never buy something like that. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Like, helping somebody and seeing somebody come in in shambles, especially people that have kids, You know, or that are just that want it. You see them come in so shattered and broken, and then that light goes off in their eyes. They start to get it. They rebuild themselves. They rebuild their lives to come back to be productive members of society, to be good, good father, a good mother, a good parent. You know, a good son, sibling. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing.
1: I um, and we could go. We're gonna we're we're gonna have you back soon Um, because I really want to hit. The mental health stuff too. Yeah, um, and that's so key it, it, to me, Nick. What what you what your passion and what you drove home here is you're the where the rubber meets the road on addiction and mental health, and, and I don't and and making sure that that's a priority yep. in the treatment. Um, you really peel back the onion, right, and and get to, and that's that is I don't think you can get. A sustained sobriety without addressing that in in the treatment center, or you know, in and then outpatient is so so key after you get out. I remember going at first for me, it was to satisfy insurance. Like you had to the, the rehab I went to, insurance said you had to go to outpatient twice a week um, to f- log so many hours, so they'll continue paying. And I get all that, mm-hmm. but so I started. I'm like, I, I'm going to go, and then the next thing you know, I'm like, man, this is. This is the shit. This is uh, i meeting people that are, that are struggling the same, telling stories, and a lot of times we don't glorify, but it's good to re- to, to remember where we came from. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, when I was telling uh, some mutual friends that Nick was was coming to mm-hmm. town, one of them told me to ask you about the golf club story <laughs> with your best friend oh. and roommate. <laughs> Will you share that one? I got two stories I want you to share. <laughs>
0: You know, <laughs> to lighten the fucking one, mood of a my, bit. one of my, uh, that's one of my best friends. You know, that's out, and we were talking. But about, did you hear this? It, some people, some people have, and it still amazes me to this day. That guy used pills with me. You know, and he's good. He works for a big oil company now. He's you know, guy's kind of awesome. doing well. Never went to the level that I went to. Sure, but uh, there was a point to where when my parents were done with me here in St. Louis, like I wrecked everything around here. Uh he didn't really – he's living in Houston. He got a new job. This is my college roommate. He's like, fly him out here. I'll get him straight. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so here I am. That. I, I grab a couple of Suboxone. I go to, go to Houston. I live with him, and he's trying to be my dad or something, telling me to go get a job and do this and watching my resumes. I'm like, okay, Matt. And – uh <laughs> you know, I end up. He got so pissed because that's where I was at. I, the pain clinics were terrible down in Houston. I mean, literally, they would have these places to where they would hand out cards on the streets. You didn't have to have an MRI or anything. You walked in, you got scripts <laughs> of pain pills, like and go to a new one every day. So what did I do? I'd go pawn his golf clubs. So wait 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 wait, 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 wait. You do what? <laughs> <laughs> I'd, you would pawn I'd take, his golf take, clubs. Take, he's a big golfer, high school. And I'd go and I would take his golf clubs. I'd go out there. I'd go to the pain clinics after I pawn them. I'd buy the pills and I'd sell them half of them to some of my buddies, just enough to get the clubs back. Okay, so know, we, each day. So, so this got, was my life wow. with him: was doing this each day, supporting my habit, taking his clubs. And by the time he got work back from his Fortune 500, you know, corporate <laughs> career. His golf clubs were nicely sitting there, you know. In a he coma. had no idea. No, until he found me, he was left handed. So one day he found one of the drivers in the, the backseat. He's like, Why you got my club? I'm like, Oh, it's just, you know, swinging it in just the backyard. <laughs> it's like, It's left handed. I was like, Yeah, I'm just practicing my, my, <laughs> my left yeah, He's like, You're full of shit. <laughs> ah. You know, he ended up finding some receipts. And that's, that was really the pillar to where he was, you know, he's like, All right, he's got to get out of here. I can't do it. I don't yeah. know what to do with him, you know. That's, so that's really creative. <laughs> Oh, you have no idea. You have no idea. Isn't it? Yeah. And that but that's why I was saying that uh, you know, people that have been addicts or people right. that, you know, have suffered from substance use disorder sort some of the smartest that's people. It's fucking genius. And Yeah. Don't go trying people, that if you're listening right, right. No, but there's people out there and some of the stories that I've heard, if you put half of the energy into recovery that you did out there yeah, hustling no or shit. doing whatever you had to do, you're going to be successful. Right. You know, just half. Just a quarter. <laughs>
1: So. You were you were you were in Miami one time. This might be the low point. Oh. Can you share this?
0: Listen, I'll share this story just for you, Chris. That, you know,
1: I, I it's important because this is a the, his low point, right? You know, um, was this your bottom? You think?
0: Uh, it was it was right there. Yeah, you know, it was a spot with spiritual awakening, and I'm okay with telling this stuff today because all these stories, all this shit that's happened in the past is it, is some of this embarrassing, of course. But this is what's made me who I am today. Absolutely. it's a yeah. beautiful thing. You know, I uh, so I was in Miami at the time. I was telling you that I was going in and out of these hotels, right. So my drug dealer at the time decided that he was going to charge me an extra like 5 or $10 a bag and, and tax me. So I said, nah, screw you guys, because I was spending so much money with this guy. Fuck you. I'm going to go get yeah. another connection. So I rolled down to Overtown in Miami, which is like the East Louis and North St. Louis here. I mm-hmm. mean, it's the worst place that you can go. So I'm riding down. I eat a couple of Xanaxes, which... I call them stupid sticks. I'm out of my mind. I barely remember some of it. But what I do remember is rolling down <laughs> over overtime, you, looking for somebody, looking for my new prospect of a drug dealer. And I go, So come here. Come here. Let him in the car. Mistake number one, letting him in the car. I said, here, buddy, here's $30. Go ahead. Go, go get me some. If you come back and it's good, I'll buy some more. Mistake number two, I let him know I had more money. Right? Mm. So he comes back, and 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 I was an IV at the user at the time. He gives me a bag, and I do it right there in the car. Shoot it up. Shoot it up. What I didn't realize is that it was not heroin. It was cocaine, and it was a huge amount. So all I know is that my bell just rung. I fell out in my car. All of a sudden, I'm just sp- Beating out of my mind. I mean, I could barely talk. I was stuck. My heart's racing. And I woke you're up. Looking, you and this guy's like, "Man, you're the fucking police, man. You're the police." And he runs out of my car. I'm, duh, 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 duh. What am I? Gonna I go to start up my car. My keys are gone. I, I am out of my mind at this point. But so for some reason, I thought the next best move and the thing to do was to get in my trunk until I figured it out. <coughs> until I figured this situation in the out. Hood. In the hood. So here I am in my trunk speeding where's my keys? I don't know. All of a sudden I hear boop boop. They came back. They hit my unlock button on my car and he had three of his buddies with me. They all get in the car and they start rolling down the street. I'm in the trunk. <laughs> I start rolling around in the back of the trunk and <laughs> next thing, I, next thing I hear is this fucking white boy's in the trunk. <laughs> Pop out. I'm out of my mind at this point. I get pistol whipped in the back of my head. I'm bleeding from my head. They strip me down in the middle of Overtown. I'm in my box just running. Running down the middle of Overtown. Took my car. Took my wallet. Took everything. I run into a braid shop. Help. Help. I'm hiding behind braids. This guy's like, what the fuck are you doing in my shop? So I'm like, call the police. Call the police. Needless to say, here I am on the corner cop show up in my boxers bleeding from my head like what the fuck mm. are you doing kid and when i sobered up after that moment i was like you know what my life might be unmanageable <laughs> This might be a time for change. Oh, and man. those types of incidents looking back right now, you know, like they make me laugh, but those without that pain, without those stories, without going through that, if everything if I just maintained every day, you know, and kind of got by my addiction probably would have lasted a lot longer. I got to some or really, taken your life. Or taken my right. life without a doubt. I don't I I'm lucky that I'm mm-hmm. not uh you know all this fentanyl that's going around right now. Out. I mean, is dropping people like flies. It's insane, and I know that if I was using like I was back in the day, now I'd be dead. No, no questions asked. And I'm very blessed to be here to to work on myself and to be able to uh, you know, help to somebody else, for, man. Help somebody else in mm-hmm. the process.
1: And, and, and in all seriousness, telling that story when Nick said that you had nothing, you didn't have a pot to fucking piss in. That's what. That's what it came to, right? In his fucking boxers, on the, on a corner in, in in the hood in Miami. What a schmuck! Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and but but it, nobody you know the hope is there, and you yeah. can, you can overcome it. And um, man, Nick, this was awesome. I first guest, Jeff.
0: Yeah, first guest, you I man. Thanks for coming. Special. Of course, thanks for having me, guys.
1: And and Nick, you went to some dark places today, especially the, the story you told earlier, and about what happened in college and, and, um, knowing some of the backstory to that, I, I know personally how much it's, um, eating you up and driven you at the same time, if that's makes sense. And, um, and I think, uh, I know the pain that you've, you've gone through, um, for that and to go there and to share it in the hopes to help other people. I, I, I'm just fucking grateful, man. And, and I'm praying for you every day and, I'm I'm praying for, that family every day is, um, it, you know that that's brutal stuff, and yep. um, I know what it did to you, and I know what it and I know what still drives you today. Mm-hmm. So thanks for thanks for going there and, and, and being vulnerable with us. I, I I've told people before that when I would like the way I did like coke and, and drink, I would love my favorite times were. And you can ask all the boys this. My favorite times were, to like, after the bar closed, if, asterisk, <laughs> I wasn't going home with some gal, like, that usually was priority number one if we're going out single in our 20s, right? Um, for me, at least. I look at Jeff, and he's like, yeah, maybe for you. but You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, if, if that was a, law, you know, and by this time, I'm a fat, drunk, slobbering, so it's not happening often, right? So I wanted to go home after the bar with a group of guys, my boys, and, and do some fucking blow and just bullshit and chat all fucking night. And we would talk about some vulnerable shit, man.
0: Yeah, you'd talk about who would win, Mike Tyson or Tiger, right? We would have the two-hour right. conversations right. on shit We would shit have some like stupid that.
1: conversations, for sure. But I, I loved it because yeah. a lot of times you would, I would talk to these guys about shit that they would never talk about. Unless they were like forced to in a room, yeah, Um, vulnerable shit. So when I got sober, I, I, I still, I still love having these conversations, And, and I think they're important. And there's that stigma that guys can't talk about their feelings, shit. I get all that, you know. There's something about that I've learned in my sober, and you learn it in in recovery groups. That shit saves lives when you, because a lot of times we're hiding that shit. And, and we think we're the only ones fucking battling. and it's not it's so that's a facade. so so I, I love sitting okay. down and, and and sharing these stories and and talking about some successes and and that's why the number one guest, the first guest I had, it just had to be you. So
0: I appreciate that. And
1: logistically, it was a little bit of a, a nightmare, but this he 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 hopped on a fucking plane from New Jersey and fluttered just for this. unreal. And mm-hmm. um, I'm so grateful. And uh, maybe I'll buy you a cup of coffee or something. No, man. <laughs>
0: Listen, it's just there's not some of the work you're doing in this area. It's desperately needed. And I wanted to come out here and hopefully sharing my story helps somebody else, you know, and shows that it's possible. No matter how low you get, no matter where you're at, you can bounce back, you mm-hmm. know, but you have to get vulnerable enough to ask for help. Yeah. You know, or to just Bingo. open yourself up just a little bit to somebody, to someone, and see where it goes. And I promise you, if you do that, your life will change. And I'm living proof of that. You're living proof of that. You know, and I just thank you for, for letting me on the show. All the work that you're doing is so commendable. You're you're doing it in a way that I've never seen anybody do it. Wow. And it's it's a special thing. So appreciate it, guys.
1: Nick, thanks a lot. And and I can't say it any better. Um so so God bless you, man. Mm. Um we're we're grateful and I wanna have you have you back soon. I wanna hear updates on on, the, on a Lake. Um and and I wanna keep telling success stories. Um people that have, have seen the darkness of this shit and that are finding light again and joy again. Yeah. And um it's and, fucking powerful.
0: Yeah, and no matter what, like you guys if, if somebody wants to reach out, you can go to sonalake.com, S-A-N-A-L-A-K-E.com, and it doesn't matter, you know, what you have, insurance wise, money wise, we're going to help you and we're going to place you and get you the resources that you need. So, and I know that for a fact. If you uh, friends of mine, if you're if you're feeling like you know you need to change here, pick up the phone, call. Cool. Absolutely, This will be the best move you've ever made. I promise you that.
1: Yeah. That's, and that's, that's it. That's a, that's a mic drop right there. Nick, thanks a lot. God bless you. We're going to share Sana Lake on our um, social media platforms. And, um, and for, for anybody with questions, you know how to get a hold of us. Thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. Let us pray.
0: Pondoffs Anonymous is Chris Pondoff and produced by me, Jeff Allen. Our music is Antihero by McCall and Gentle Waters by Wild Wonder. For more information, visit pondoffsanonymous.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram.